Bibles with you. The Lord has really given me something to share with you today. And during the first service, I feel like saying this during the 845 service, we had at least two people that rededicated their life to the Lord this morning. So we ought to give the Lord some praise for that today. And I'm praying that the Lord will do that again this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to the book of Mark chapter 16. If not, they're going to have it on the screen for you. If you will, stand with me all over the room today for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The Word said, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, say, a messenger. They saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. They said, look, this is the place where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, remember that, that Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. See, the most ancient manuscripts of Mark conclude with verse 8. Later manuscripts add a couple different endings. I want to share the summarization with you this morning, the shorter ending, which said this. Then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. I want to share with you today an Easter message for you from the Lord. If you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father God, we thank you. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I sense in this room right now. So, God, I'm asking you for the next few moments that you would just remove every hindrance, God, that would come against us. Remove every distraction, Lord, from amongst our midst. Lord, today I pray, God, that you would just anoint your word. God, you have a message for every person in this building or under the sound of my voice watching my live stream today. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint their ears to hear your word. Anoint every single heart, God, to receive your word and the message that you have for them this Easter. God, I ask you as I deliver your message, don't let me preach with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but let your word come forth today in the power and in the demonstration uh, God of your spirit the power and the demonstration that brings life changes God to every one of us today we'll give you the glory the honor and the praise in the name of Jesus we pray and everybody said amen now do yourself a favor and me a favor give the Lord a big hand clap of praise
Amen. Today, we celebrate the foundation, if you will, the very foundation of everything that we believe as Christians. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of everything we believe as Christians. And as I was reading this passage earlier this week in the book of Mark, the words of of this angel, this messenger, just jumped off of the page to me. And those words were, go and tell his disciples, including Peter. That's what it said in the New Living Translation. Then I open the King James Translation because I always compare. And in the King James Version, he said, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Now, I found that very significant for the number one reason, because Peter was a disciple. So why specifically mention him separately as if he would not have been automatically included? That just jogged my attention as I read it. So then I pulled out my Dake study Bible, and I read in there that Peter would have most likely not considered himself a disciple because he had done what none of the rest of the disciples, including Judas, had done. And that was that not once, but three times, he had completely denied knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter denied Christ and his relationship with him. But I want you to make no mistake about it this morning. Peter was no stranger to who Jesus was. All throughout the New Testament, the closeness of the relationship between Jesus and Peter is well documented in the Scriptures. If you're taking notes today, you'll know that in John chapter 1, Peter who was at this time known only as Simon. He becomes acquainted with Jesus as he is introduced to him through the help of his brother Andrew, who was a follower of John the Baptist. And then in Matthew chapter 4, or in Mark's account in chapter 1, while Peter and Andrew are fishing at the Sea of Galilee, Jesus sees them and he asks them to come Follow him. Then in Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4, we read that Jesus visits Peter at Peter's house. And while he's there, he prays for and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Then on into Luke chapter 5, we find that Peter cast his net in the deep ocean after being told by Jesus to do so. Peter tells Jesus that we've fished all night long, Lord, but we've had no success. But when Peter did as Jesus told him to do, the Bible says when he dropped that net, they caught a great number of fish. On into Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 6, and John chapter 1, we find where Jesus adds to the name of Simon. He says, we shall call you Peter, which comes from the Greek word Petros, meaning rock or stone. So Jesus affirms Peter. That's a fatherly affirmation that Peter, you are a rock. And then in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 8, Peter becomes one of the eyewitnesses to a miracle that Jesus performs. He watches as Jesus raises a little girl from death back unto life. 
recorded in Matthew chapter 14 and John chapter 6 is the story of the apostles and Simon Peter. You know the story. They see Jesus and he's out walking on the water. And Peter asked Jesus, Lord, command me to come to you. Command me to walk with you. And Peter tries to walk on the water and as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he stays on the surface of the water. But the Bible tells us that Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. But when Peter begins to sink, the Bible said that Peter hollers out and he says, Lord save me. And the Bible said immediately Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed a hold of Peter and brought him up out of the sinking water. Is there anybody in this room today that can testify that in your life when you cried out and you said Lord save me that immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he pulled you from death back unto life and by the time we get to Matthew chapter 16 we can easily see that Peter has gotten to know Jesus and Jesus has gotten to know Peter quite well I want us to read it together Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being, he says. But now I say to you, here it is, that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven Jesus tells Peter that he will build his church on Peter's profession of who Jesus was see the church this worldwide church that we are blessed and privilege to be a part of today Jesus said this whole entire thing was going to be built on the foundation of Peter's testimony of who Jesus is not only would the church be built on that foundation but not even the gates of hell could prevail against or cause that foundation of Peter's testimony to crumble not even the gates of hell could cause Peter's testimony to crumble. I think it's safe to say that Peter had a really close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's safe to say that he knew Jesus well. And I think it's safe to say that if anybody knew what it was to be a true disciple, Peter knew. In fact, on down in Matthew chapter 16 and also in Mark chapter 8, after Jesus proclaims that he will be killed and then he'll rise again on the third day, Peter, if you can imagine this, felt comfortable enough, close enough to the Lord 
that he rebuked them. Think about that. Matthew 16 and verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter, the Bible said, took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. He said, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus, who loved Peter, hear your pastor this morning, saw his heart of good intent. But he also realized that our hearts can sometimes lead us away from the will of God. I said, sometimes our hearts can lead us away from the will of God. And here Jesus utters the words to Peter, whom he was close to. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's what he said to Peter. He called Peter out for allowing his heart to lead him away from the will of the Father. I could preach right there for a few moments. We need to learn the difference between our hearts and the will of God. Did you hear me? You, you don't need to follow your heart through this world because your heart can mislead you. Your emotions can mislead you. But the word of God will never lead you astray. Can I hear somebody say amen this morning? And so Jesus, who loved Peter, saw that good intent. But he called out the fact that your heart is leading you astray, Peter. And as we continue to review Peter's walk with Christ... We read in Matthew 17, Mark chapter 9, and also Luke chapter 9, that Peter, along with James and John, witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus and the appearance of Moses and Elijah on the mountain. See, Peter was one of only three living human beings that were privileged and blessed to be a part of this wonderful, miraculous experience to see the transfiguration of Jesus. And I think it's safe to say, because of all of this, that Peter had as much, if not more, insight to who Jesus was than any of the rest of the twelve. And then in Luke chapter 22, after Jesus had finished his last supper with the disciples, on the night before his death, Jesus has some words to share with his friend Peter. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. See, there's a few significant things that I want you to note in this passage. First of all, Jesus knew how the enemy would fight Peter. He knew that the enemy would try his best to sift him like wheat. 
to destroy him. I want you to say this after me this morning. He's after me too. That's the first thing I want you to remember. Secondly, because of this, Jesus personally prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. You know what this book tells us, Ernie? This book tells us that he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he lives to ever make intercession for me. I want you to say this after me. Jesus prays for me too. Thirdly, Jesus knew the ultimate outcome. That his faith would fail. Jesus knew that. And Jesus told Peter, When you have repented and turned, I'm so glad that's in there, and turn to me again. Strengthen your brothers. When you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I want you to say this after me. God has a plan for my life. And fourthly, much to Peter's surprise, Jesus tells him, I know you think you won't fail me. I know, Peter, you think you won't deny me. But I'm telling you, before the rooster even crows tomorrow morning, you will have already denied even knowing me three times. Jesus knew. Now say this with me. God knows I've messed it up too. So we read on to find where Jesus had asked them to pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. While they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter and the others fall asleep, James and John. And while they're still in the garden, when Jesus is still praying, he gets arrested by the betrayal of Judas Iscariot. And we find when that happens that Peter is so enraged by another's betrayal of Jesus that has led to his ultimate arrest. He's so enraged, the Bible says that he takes out his sword and he cuts off the ear. Of a servant. Surely Peter must have loved Jesus. Did you hear me? Surely Peter's feelings toward and thoughts about Jesus must have been sincere. But still we read on. And we see where Peter crumbled under the pressure. And it's here. Right here in this passage. That we read why Peter would have no longer considered himself a disciple. This Jesus whom he loved. This Jesus whom he had followed after. This Jesus whom he had vowed to never forsake, never neglect, and never leave. This Jesus whom he had defended with his own sword. He would deny him three times. Exactly as Jesus had predicted. Dake said that he denied him three times in three ways. First of all, he denied him positively. Matthew 26 and 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, he denied him positively. Then Dake said he denied him contemptuously. Verse 71, later out by the gate, another servant girl 
noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath, contemptuously. He said, I don't even know the man. And then he denied him blasphemously. Verses 73 through 75, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter. And they said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore. He denied blasphemously. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. The Bible said immediately, the rooster crowed. And in verse 75, the word said suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And the Bible said, and Peter went away, weeping bitterly. See, he wept bitterly because that relationship that he cherished, that relationship that he thought he would never neglect, this personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that he thought he would never forsake, Peter had crumbled under the pressure. And before he even knew it, he was living his worst nightmare. But Peter remembered the words of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And as soon as he remembered those words, he was brought to his senses. And most Bible scholars agree that while he was, quote, weeping bitterly, that he was repenting of what he had just done. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 tells us, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And Jesus knew that he would. Jesus knew that he would repent. Remember in Luke 22 and 32, I read to you, Jesus said, So when, say when. When you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. So you see, this is good. All the way back before Peter's failure, Jesus saw something in Peter that he knew Peter would not be able to see in himself one day. He said, Peter, when you've repented and you've turned back to me, then go and strengthen somebody else who's trying to follow me. That's why God sent a messenger to the tomb on that Easter Sunday morning. That's why the angel said, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is the place where they laid his body. That's why the messenger said, now I want you to go and tell his disciples. But by the way, go tell Peter too that Jesus has gone ahead of you into Galilee. Go and tell his disciples, including Peter. See, God made sure that that messenger 
sent Peter an Easter message by specifically mentioning him when he referred to the disciples. And in doing so, he was assuring Peter of the Lord's compassion. (laughs) We sung about it a minute ago. He was assuring Peter of the Lord's love. He was assuring Peter of the Lord's mercy and the Lord's grace. He was assuring Peter of the Lord's forgiveness. Is anybody glad for forgiveness this morning? He was assuring Peter of the Lord's restoration of his relationship with him. A relationship, by the way, that Peter had so harshly forfeited by his own instability. But you know what? All of this had to be fulfilled so that Peter would come to walk in his destiny in Christ Jesus. His destiny to strengthen the brethren. All of this, I want to tell you today. Some of you may be sitting there this morning and you're wondering, why is all of this going on in my life? Why is this the mess that it is? I never saw this coming. I never expected this to happen. Why? I want to tell you today, all of this had to happen so that when you you could turn and you could begin to walk in your destiny that God has for you. God sent me here this morning with an Easter message for you. The Easter message that He sent me with is not just for those who have it all together. Somebody help me preach this morning. This Easter message is not just for those who attend church every Sunday morning and always seem to choose to do the right thing. This Easter message is not just for those who were raised in church and taught the ways of the Lord from a young age. I want to tell you something this morning. The church needs to have more grace on people that wasn't raised in the church. Somebody say amen. This Easter message is not just for those who have healthy marriages and well-behaved children. Some of y'all missed a good opportunity to shout. The message that he sent me with this morning is not just to those who have good incomes and are faithful in paying their tithes and giving offerings. This message is not just for those who have a dedicated time of prayer and devotion every day. This message is not just for those who consider themselves a disciple. And even those who have kept themselves from this world No sir, no ma'am. God sent me with an Easter message this morning that is also for those who don't have it all together. He sent me as a messenger this morning for those who might be attending or watching online for the first time in a long time. And it's a message for those who don't always choose to do the right thing. This message is also for those who weren't raised in the church. Thanks be to God. And maybe the first thing you knew of Jesus was when you walked into this building or when you became friends with the person that invited you here. This Easter message is not just for those whose marriages are together, but it's for those whose marriages are falling apart and those whose children are a hot mess this message that God has sent me with is also for those who don't regularly pay your tithes or give offerings it's for those who haven't attended church very much and maybe your personal devotion and prayer time is non-existent this message is also for those who like Peter don't even consider yourself a disciple of Christ because you've messed up 
You've crumbled under the pressure. And you feel unworthy to even bear his name. This message is for the hurting. This message is for the helpless. This message is for the weak. This message is for the addicted. This message is for the disenfranchised. This message is for the wounded, the scarred, and for those who may have even brought all of your mess on yourself. God has sent me here this morning with an Easter message for you. If they'll come to the music today. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise him. Hallelujah. And here's the oh, hallelujah. Here's the message. Are you ready? Here's the message that God sent me with. Do not dismiss my words this day. For I am speaking to you. And I say to you this morning, if you will look for me, I promise you will find me. If you will search for me with all of your heart, I will show myself unto you. If you will look for me. But the question I have for you this day, is how bad do you want to see me? How bad do you want to see me? For I am in your midst today. And I am calling you back to me. Do not dismiss my words, saith the Lord of hosts. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. But the message doesn't stop there. If you'll repent and turn to Him, God has a plan for your life. I know, I know it may be hard for you to see. I may, I know you may not even feel worthy to be called one of his disciples but still God has a plan for your life he wants to give you his strength so that then he can use you to go strengthen somebody else that's trying to make it along life's way did you hear me this morning so I want to share with you real quickly do you know what happened after this after Peter received the Easter message that God sent to him in Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20, we read that Peter and the other disciples, they receive a word from Mary Magdalene that the body of Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And the Bible says that Peter rushes to the tomb to discover the word was right and Jesus' body was not there. Then you know what the Bible says? Then 
Jesus appeared first to Peter. Now imagine that. The devil's tried to tell you you've gone too far. The devil's tried to tell you that you've done too much. But God's telling you this morning, God sent a message to you. If I can go back to Peter and show myself to him first, I've got a plan for your life. gives Peter and the other apostles the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Peter makes a confession of love towards the risen Jesus three times after he meets him on the shores of Galilee. And by default, listen to me, I'm almost done. By default, Peter, this Peter we've been talking about, becomes the leader of the remaining disciples who had been with Jesus. And then, on the day of Pentecost, y'all gonna have to help me because I'm about to lose my mind. And then, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, the one who had failed him, the one who had crumbled under the pressure, the one who at one time had walked away, the one who had denied him, the one who was so disappointed in himself that he no longer even considered himself a disciple because he received that Easter message that the messenger had from him. He experienced a complete turnaround in his life. And in Acts chapter 2, we find that now, full of the Holy Ghost, Peter stands up and he preaches on the day of Pentecost under the power of the Holy Ghost. And over three thousand souls were added to the church oh god what a way to strengthen the brethren i said what a way to strengthen the brethren don't you let the devil tell you that god don't have a plan for your life don't you let the devil tell you that you're not a disciple don't you let the devil tell you that you're not worthy god said i sent my son for you I want you to stand in your feet all over this room.